Hey, welcome. It is uh, Gary on Guns, and I'm glad to have you with us. I am pleased to tell you that in studio we have a former state representative uh, on board with us, Chuck Basie. We're going to talk a little bit about Chuck. Uh, we may have to vote him off the island. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, we also have Carson in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. They sell worldwide, and they're right in our backyard. Uh, then, uh, of course, uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. And uh, here's, the, here's the deal, guys. Um, you want people that, you know, have some, some charisma, some likability. And I was looking at this uh, thread on Facebook where um, Chuck Basie was thinking of running for uh, the school board in Missouri, in Columbia. And I saw these vicious responses uh, from some really incredible haters. Um, so now I'm thinking, you know, do we want somebody with that kind of reputation or do we vote him <laughs> off the island? Uh, you know, what, That's all the more reason we want him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw those comments and I imagined like some Kathy Bates kind of character um, saying, Chuck Basie's the devil. It was, I mean, was, I don't know what you did to... To pee them off, but boy, Dale, uh, he really got them. Uh, he, he really got them wired. He told the truth, and he said what he he what Chuck did that that makes people mad is he tells them what he really thinks, and then he does what he says he's going to do. Oh well, we can't have that's, that. Oh, no. from a politician, that's unacceptable. Well, I I don't know. I, I know there's a fake facebook page uh floating around out there that's probably what you've been seeing gary i have i have <laughs> not looked it at it yeah all it's, right it's, so we'll it's keep not you. my page <laughs> yeah but um, i'm trying to get my wife to withdraw that but uh, <laughs> thinking about it, so. oh lord uh i'm just curious um do, don't you have to live in Columbia or in boone how, how does this work well i live in the columbia public school district boundary Oh, yeah, right. it's, 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 you know, it goes way out into the rural areas, uh, not in way outside the city limits, as a matter of fact. So, um, so anyway, I, I'm on the very boundary. I live right on the edge of Boone County, uh, boarding up to Howard County. So, but we do pay taxes to the Columbia Public School District. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, right. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm not going to endorse you because as Brian will attest, it's not good. Well, I got to get on the ballot first. There's a big controversy over that, so they they won't. <laughs> yeah, you uh, want to explain that? Well, I, I decided to run after I was assured uh, from the other candidates that ran in the previous elections that I really liked. I think you had them on your program, uh, Andrea Lismy and uh, Adam Burks, and even Luke Neal the time before, and I was assured uh, that they were, had no interest in filing again. So that was the Saturday before the deadline of filing, Christmas Eve. So I I talked to my family and decided, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. And that's when I discovered the school district had that procedure on their website that you had to get permission from them by the 22nd. Well, state that, that's not what state law says. The filing period is open until uh, the, it's the 14th Tuesday before the April election. And uh, so I showed up at the board office. Actually, I sent them an uh, email. Dr. Yearwood, the superintendent, replied to me. Um, and said somebody would be there to take your filing. Well, then he called me the the, the deadline day, Tuesday the 27th, and said I, he made a mistake, which that's admi admirable to, that he would admit that he made a mistake, and he did. But but I showed up anyway, and they wouldn't let me in. There was, uh, they said there was nobody there, uh, even though there were footprints in the snow up to the door, um, in and out. 
So anyway, um, I got a hold of Jay Ashcroft, the Secretary of State, and um, he did a little uh, negotiating, and uh, he uh, told me to go down to the Boone County Clerk's Office and filed, and I did get filed before the deadline. But the school district apparently is not going to recognize that. So I've hired an attorney, and uh, they have until the 10th to say yes or no. And if they say no, uh, I'm not going to be on the ballot. Then we're going to file a lawsuit in Boone County Circuit Court, uh, hopefully Wednesday. So you saw footprints. You knew somebody was in there, and they didn't answer the door. And Carson, I mean, if, if you looked out the window and, and you saw him, you know, approaching the door, would you answer? Of course. You would? Okay, I just... Uh... <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> All right. I have posted uh, at Gary on Guns uh, a report that asserts that the assault weapon uh, ban uh, that was passed in the 90s actually had some positive result. Uh, did the assault weapons ban of 1994 bring down mass shootings? Here's what the data they say tell us. And the implication from reading the story is, well, yeah, it worked. Oh, and a huge success, but it was pretty good. The problem is, you know, junk in, garbage in, garbage out, as they say. So Dr. John Lott testified uh, before the Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security for a hearing called Examining Uvalde, the Search for Bipartisan Solutions to Gun Violence. And he was asked about that study. And here is his response. Just one quick thing. You know, you look around the world, people seem to think that this only happens in the United States. If you just compare even Western Europe to the United States, does anybody know where the two worst mass public shootings were? They were in Europe. France in November 2015 had 130 people killed. Norway about a decade ago had 67 people killed. France, it takes over a year to go through the licensing process. You ha- it costs thousands of dollars. You have to get two psychiatric evaluations to be able to go through. They have every law that every state in the United States has, plus more. And yet they've had worse mass public shootings on both total and per capita rates. Anyway, there are lots of different measures of mass public shootings. Uh, The only one that people look at who make this claim that the number of mass public shootings went down is by Louis Clarivas, who's at the Teachers College at uh, Columbia. And what he does, he he has a different measure than anybody else. He looks at six or more people killed rather than the typical four or more. But much more importantly, he he inconsistently includes cases involving robberies or gang fights. So most of the measures, the FBI measure for active shooting or for mass public shootings, specifically measures public attacks that are not part of some other type of crime like a robbery or a gang fight. They're trying to get at those cases where the whole point of the attack was simply to go and kill or or harm other people. That's not saying that gang fights over drug turf aren't important, but the causes and solutions to going and stopping the types of mass public shootings that get people's attention in the news media are very different uh, from the types of cases that you see uh, uh, that get the news coverage. The other thing that he does is he, you think he'd be looking at attacks involving assault weapons, but he lumps them together with all things. Well, even with his data, all the data shows that if 
it was a ban on assault weapons that was somehow causing a drop to occur, then the percentage of attacks involving assault weapons should have fallen when you have the ban and then should have gone up. You know, if, that, if it's assault weapons that are driving the drop and, and then driving the increase after the ban sunset. But in fact, even with his data, what you find, because he lumps both assault weapons and other weapons together, uh, even with his data, the increase that he claims occurs during the 94 to 2004 period is driven entirely by non-assault weapons being used more during that period of time. <clears throat> but anyway, it's pretty clear, uh, no matter how you measure this, uh, you're going to, it's, in fact, uh, Clarivas was an expert in the California assault weapons ban case where I was an expert on the other side. And the judge says that said, ruled that his evidence was contradictory and was not acceptable by the court. Oh. Wow. Uh, really uh, puts that study in perspective. Uh, when you get right down to it, they, it, it was just more junk science. Uh, and don't you wonder who, who's funding all this? And how do we stop it? Any ideas? I'll start with a guy who's held elective office uh, and find out what, uh, what he thinks. Chuck, is there any way that you can think of to stop? Because it looks like it's almost all government funding in one way or another. Well, um, I, I'm not sure, Gary. It's uh, John Lott. He's a very smart guy. He makes an awful lot of sense. So I, I think he made some really good points. Yeah, he did. But, you know, when these, these universities, and I think this is how the government, this is how the, uh, the anti-gunners are getting around uh, restrictions on these kinds of studies. They're giving the money to colleges, and then colleges are using it. To do their bidding, absolutely. And you know this this study, the the only one that seems to uh, uh, argue that somehow that gun ban was effective, was funded by my tax dollars, and it's junk science. And I find that incredibly disturbing. That's why I guess I'm so one of the reasons I'm so anti-government schools, even at the college level. Uh, it's really frustrating. All right, we got the guys here. We got show and tell coming up. It is Gary on guns. Good morning. It is Gary on guns. Uh, Garson is in from Crafts. We've got Chuck Basie on board, uh, Second Amendment supporter, and uh, we also have Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. In Atlanta, Dale, uh, the city council passed a law. Uh, they're trying to prevent guns from being stolen. And the program uh, works like this. The, the legislation allows the council to request the mayor's Office of Violence Reduction and the Atlanta Police Department to develop a program to provide free firearm safety storage, lockboxes, if you will, uh, for people who qualify. Obviously, you're not going to give it to the local bank robber. Um, so they will spend the money at the city level so that if you get a gun and you want to uh, put it on your nightstand or something, you, you, you get this lockbox and taxpayers pay for it. My question is, do you, th do you think it'll really make any difference? Will it do anything? I, I don't hate the idea, except they're using taxpayer money. But uh, And I agree on that. And they, you know, there's already a federal program. I think it comes under the Safe Neighborhoods Program where the federal government gives out gun locks by the hundreds of thousands. Um, and you, you know, you should be able to go into a gun store and there'd be a box of gun locks on the counter and you could take a half dozen. I mean, it was, I don't know how much good they did, but as to this one, 
that I don't see that that's going to solve the crime problem. I mean, those what they say in Star Wars, these aren't the droids you're looking for. I mean, people responsible, people who are responsible enough to go somewhere, pick up a gun lockbox, take it home and use it, aren't the people who are out shooting people on the street in the first place. No, but but a lot of people, and we've seen this in Colombia, will go out and buy a gun and they'll put it in their car and they'll leave their car outside in the driveway or uh, on the street overnight. Uh, or they'll leave their firearms loose and somebody burgles the house and steals the guns. Uh, or kids will find the guns in the house. Garson, is this is this going to do anything? Is this a good idea or not? I doubt it's going to move the needle on gun safety. I mean, the industry itself has supported um, Respect It, Secure It program for a number of years. Um, I, I think most people are just... I think more people are just uh, either too lazy or or think that it's not going to happen to them. And, you know, I don't think there's any way to change those people's minds until until it does happen to them. You know, I'd, I'd be willing to bet if there's a police officer within the sound of our voices right now, he'd be saying, please get a lockbox. Don't leave your firearms in the car. We've talked about this before, but it's really well worth repeating. Yeah, Do- you know, the lockboxes you can buy, you know, are cheap enough. You can get a you can get a travel lockbox for 30, 40 bucks. But, um, you know, I, I still think most people are, are not going to use it. Or, I mean, considering the number of guns out there and the number of storage solutions we sell, there's a huge disparity in, in safe storage practices um, with among gun owners. I mean, there's just no way around it. Do you have, do you have those little uh, uh, lock boxes you put on the nightstand where you just put three fingers down in a certain order and the box pops open? No, I, I don't have a lock box like that. Um, I've got two safes. At the store, though. Oh, oh, at the store. Yeah, we have, um, we have the small little clamshell keyed boxes. Um, we don't have the uh, we don't have the ones that have the finger combination, um, but you, we do have the dial combination versions. Um, and you know, realistically, th- those will slow down some criminals, but um, I think the locking mechanisms on most of those boxes are easy enough to defeat. Um, that they're they're really not going to stop. A majority of the thefts, if somebody comes across one, there's always a kind of a balancing act, uh, and I'm not talking now about the car, although there is a certain, uh, to a certain extent, that is a problem. But if you have your firearm uh, secured, and something happens in the middle of the night, you know, do you have the wherewithal to, among other things, open the damn lockbox and get your firearm out? Uh, it, Gary, that's exactly the point. In the oral argument um, of D.C. versus Heller, the big landslide Second Amendment case out of the U.S. Supreme Court, when the attorney for the District of Columbia was saying, oh, it's just a lock. You just put in a couple of digits and unlock the lock and you've got your gun ready to use. And one of the justices keyed his mic and said, well, you know, first you have to find the lamp switch next to your bed. Then you've got to find your reading, fumble around and find your reading glasses. And by then you could hear almost all the other justices on the bench chuckling because they could all relate to, the, to what it's like trying to find something when you need reading glasses and you're half asleep. Yeah, 
Uh, so there's a there's a balancing act between accessibility when you need it uh, versus uh, you know safety, uh, and and I I think it's a challenge, but it's also a challenge in the car. Uh, you got to go in the post office. You can't bring your gun with you, so you leave it in the car. And you know my solutions, uh, including uh, uh, include uh, a cable lock around a stanch seat stanchion. Uh, that's incredibly difficult in my car now. So, uh, you know, then you could try and stuff it under the seat, but God, don't do it when you're in the parking lot, because uh, that'll be obvious as hell. Or, or do you just leave the house to go to the post office unarmed and, and hope for the best? It's always a balancing act. Let me get Dave on the line here and uh, see what he has to say. Dave, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Morning, Gary. Morning. Hey, the one thing I'd like to point I'd like to make is before we get carried away about everybody securing all their guns, we need to come be hard on our local prosecutors. I know of three people in the past four years that have guns have had guns stolen. The guns have been recovered. The individual was arrested, and the prosecutors in the city of Columbia did not prosecute. They didn't prosecute for gun theft? Nope. Wow. Open and shut felonies, every one of them. And there's also a slippery slope. If we start taking this self-righteous attitude of we've got to be responsible gun owners, we can wind up setting ourselves up for some of the draconian measures they've done in some of the blue states about mandatory security. It's not my responsibility as a citizen to anticipate and prevent someone else's felonious activity in society. We should be punishing those felons. They should be terrified of ever picking up a gun because they know they're going to get five years. I don't disagree with you on, on a certain level, but I don't think there's a real problem in saying, you know, here are some things that you probably should do. Because uh, there are a lot of us out there and, and uh, that have guns, and a lot of them, uh, many of them, are really irresponsible. But you're saying, but you're implying that the gun owner is responsible for the action of an individual with an inanimate object taken from you. No, I'm implying that if you own a firearm and you don't want to lose it or contribute to some crime... You probably well, should not, protect yourself just like you have insurance or you lock your car door when you leave it. Uh, it's I'm not, not imp You're implying that it's negligent to have a gun stolen. I'm implying that if you want to keep your gun, it, just like you lock your car door when you get out of the car at the shopping center, you, you don't do that because you're responsible for somebody stealing your car. You do that because you really don't want to go through the hassle. I agree. With, yeah, it's a balancing act, but I think yeah. uh, we need to be careful. The antis play on this, and it's an easy it's an easy way, uh, way to get Camel's nose under the tent. Yeah, you're probably right. They will go overboard. Thank you, Dave. Glad to have you on the Gary, Gary on Guns show. Oh, Lord. Uh, tax on the gun industry are ramping up in 2023. We'll chat about that. Gary on Guns. It is... Uh, it is, Gary, on guns. I'm, I'm kind of multitasking here. I, I heard this yesterday, and I'm going to call an audible here, kind of change directions. Did you guys hear the federal court ruling on bump stocks? Yes, Indeed. we were just talking about that. Yeah, I, 
See, I'm, I'm trying to make it sound extemporaneous. And <laughs> you blew it. Uh, all right. The result could well be uh, the kind of inaction on gun violence that we've grown used to. Uh, this is uh, the Talking Points memo from Sam Thielman. But, you know, as useless as I think they are, the fact that they would write a law, uh, they would just arbitrarily describe a full auto, uh, you know, it, and include this in it, was just constitutionally corrupt. So, Garson, when they were, you know, readily available, how many did you sell a lot of them at Graf's? That was an item we never carried. Um, we didn't have any inroads to the manufacturer of those. Uh, so it's just something that never never kind of came up on our radar as a as a inventory item. Interesting, because I don't think it was that big a seller either. It was just the fact that they shouldn't be able to do that, because if they could... Oh, no, they, they sold a lot of them. Um, I mean, I, I knew a lot of people that had them. I just, it's just not something that we felt was in our wheelhouse at Graf's, and, you know, it wasn't something that one of our reps was, was you know, marketing to us anyway, so our buyers just kind of never came across it. Well... It, it you know if they could arbitrarily redefine uh, as they did for this to ban them, then there is no telling what else they can redefine to ban genders. No, 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 sorry, no, no, that's, 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 no, no. that's not BATF. <laughs> well, but I think there aren't they garsoned in the process of redefining a firearm with a uh, brace as a. Well, I mean, they're they're redefining what a receiver is. Or um, a ser uh, what a firearm is in its entirety, because they're now trying to say that a metal ingot um, that's included with other firearms parts is a complete firearm um, when it's not. So that is in the process of being fought. So and then I, you know, and then the bump stock ban or or whatever regulation they were getting ready to put forward was supposed to drop in December. Um, I know it got sent to the White House sometime around Christmas. But I've seen no further action on it. It's, so um, it's that's eight? still pending. But, yeah, I, I don't know if they're even going to attempt it now that they've had all these losses. Oh, they're not going to give up soon. It's, well, in its current iteration, <clears throat> I know they'll bring it back under some other name or some other, you know, piece of legislation maybe. But, yeah, as of right now, I don't know what they're going to do. And the interesting thing for me as an attorney about the, the court, the Fifth Circuit, striking down the bump stock ban is that was a 13 to 3 decision, which means the court, as you may know, usually you go to in federal court, you have a judge or you have a three-judge panel. Um, this was an in-bank decision, meaning the in, every judge in the Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals apparently sat to hear this case, which means it must have been reheard or... That's no, a big table. No pun intended, bumped up. Uh, but out of the 16 judges, it was a 13 to 3 decision, so, which is, I think, a, a good sign. I think so. Because uh, you have to figure there are more than three Democrat uh, left-leaning judges on that uh, uh, on-bank hearing. And <clears throat> uh, clearly some of them were kind of stuck with having to vote the right way and, and it may have been on the uh you know takings issue may have been part of their decision that the government's not allowed to just take property without reimbursing you for it although they did it here well 
I, I think it was a great decision. Uh, I don't want, I don't have any need for, I can't see any use for a bump stock, but if you want one, you should be able to buy one. Exactly. And uh, that's what this does. Uh, while we're speaking about legislation, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, with Chuck here and, and you, Dale, you've been uh, kind of talking during the break and you've done some homework uh, about gun bills that, are that have been filed here in Missouri. What have you and Chuck uncovered? Well, D Dale's done, done a lot more research than I have, but um, I, I noticed that uh, the majority of bills filed relative to firearms in both the Senate and the House, the majority of them filed are by Democrats. So 21 bills so far in the, in the Senate, and I think 13 of those 21 are filed by Democrats. And on the House side, there's 29 bills so far, and I believe 18 of those were filed by Democrats. <laughs> so that, you know, and it's, we have a super majority in both chambers, and I just don't see any of those going anywhere. Now, there's one that was, uh, that's a Democrat from Kansas City, Mark Sharp, who's a pretty good guy, really. Um, he's filed a, uh, um, a bill every year he's been in the legislature, and it was filed before he got there too many times. Uh, it's called Blair's Law, and it's, um, it's it's been supported uh, by Republicans and Democrats, so I, I imagine that that could very well move again this year. What is that? The, the, what happened uh, several years ago? There was a young lady uh, uh, in Kansas City was out in her front yard playing, and um, some individuals. And it happens every year on the Fourth of July. Were out and they were shooting um, firearms up into the air, and one of these bullets came down and hit this little girl in the head and killed her. And uh, absolute tragedy. I met her parents, and, you know, of course, naturally, they're heartbroken. They came and testified in front of the committee I sat on at th that time. And uh, just it just kind of stiffens the penalties. I don't think it's going to correct the behavior because they're, they're still going to do it, but it, it will uh, make it a much um, yeah, a, a harsher sentence if they do get convicted for that. Does anybody understand the science of that? Is it, was that bullet shot straight up and came straight down, or was it shot at an arc? It would have been at an arc. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, to maintain any kind of stability. Otherwise, if it was straight up, it, it would have tumbled in such a way that it probably would not have been deadly, lethal. I mean, it could have hurt her, but it, it wouldn't have been lethal. Why do these people do this? I mean, they got to know it's, 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 uh, it's deadly. Uh, also, during the break, uh, we were chatting, and uh, Dale said that he is not surprised that prosecutors uh, didn't press charges on uh, gun theft. Why is that? Why are you not surprised? In the past, and I'm hoping under the new prosecutor, things either have changed or are changing, will change. But in the past, the prosecutor's office in Boone County has not seemed to be terribly concerned about gun crimes in you know, for example, uh, it's been a couple of months ago, a, a felon who was awaiting trial uh, entered into a plea agreement with the Boone County prosecutor. And the charges, I don't remember exactly, one of them was a gun crime, a gun offense. One of them was assault. One of them was something else. And the bottom line was the prosecutors made the deal with the, with the uh, defendant's attorney. If he pleads guilty to assault then we will dismiss the gun crimes. And, of course, they took the deal, which means that guy, or that it was a guy, uh, ends up with an assault offense on his record, but no gun crime on his record. So he's not prohibited from owning guns in the future. Um, and that just seems to be 
you know, and I understand. I mean, I'm an attorney. I understand they're busy. Cases take time, but they don't seem to be that concerned about gun crimes. Um, they seem to be concerned about just moving cases. Uh, so I, you know, in the past, I've been really disappointed with the prosecutor's office. I've heard really good things about the new prosecutor. So, you know, we shall see what happens. Was the the gun in this case that you just told us about, was that a stolen firearm? Uh, the, the case that was settled, it wasn't a stolen firearm. It was an actual, uh, either used in a crime or, well, I don't know if it was stolen or not. The offense was... Uh, using the firearm in a crime, firing somebody. I can't remember all the details. I could probably find it, but... Uh, yeah, my point would be, though, if, as the caller pointed out, the, if somebody steals a gun and then they get caught, uh, they ought to be prosecuted and, and prosecuted heartily for that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I would like to think that the, the you know, Boone County or, or Columbia, the, the prosecutors would would go after those people uh, and send a message. I agree. And I, I mean, this is, the, you know, before I left CPOA, the prosecutor's office, the prosecuting attorney's office notified us that they were going to stop filing. They wouldn't file any charges against someone for assaulting a police officer. He can't. And exactly. And, and you know, the officers were, cons we were concerned about that. And it's not an ego thing about, ooh, somebody assaulted me, but rather the fact that if someone will assault a police officer, then I think they'll assault anyone. I mean, that's the ultimate take your chance. And I'm sure they would file charges if a police officer assaulted somebody else. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I bet they would. Yeah. In so, a heartbeat. But again, that was that was in the past. Hopefully the new prosecutor, um, you know, I, I, as I said, I heard really good things about him. And, and uh, time will tell. All right, let me ask you this, Dale. Uh, any good legislation proposed for... Oh, uh, but yes. you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. i got to go to a quick commercial break. Brian's answering phones. Uh, and then we'll come back and find out if there's any good legislation being offered in the new session. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Carson is with us on Gary on Guns from Crafts in Mexico, Missouri, one of my favorite places. Uh, and uh, if, by the way, if you're into reloading, they are the place to go. Black powder, shells. Uh, yeah, especially now we just got some primers in. Yeah, uh, and it's if you're if you're doing a lot of shooting, in the long run you're going to save a lot of money. Um, and uh, then we have uh, Gar uh, uh, Dale Roberts in MoGunLaw.com. And if that's not enough, Chuck Basie with us. And I, I'm going to get a phone call here, but then I want to come back and find out if there's any good gun legislation. I can pretty much assume that most of the Democrats are putting in, uh, you know, uh, proposing legislation that will restrict the Second Amendment. But it seems to me there must have been some Republicans or somebody else because the numbers, the disparity, it, it just makes sense. Let's find out from Rick what's on his mind. Rick, welcome. Well, Glad to have you. Hey, thanks. Um, I've heard that uh, the county commission is the one that holds the purse strings to the county prosecutors having more prosecutors. And the last series, they were not willing to put the money out. Uh, now we have a new commissioner. Maybe we should put some pressure on them to add 
prosecutors to the prosecuting attorney's office. Uh, take the load off. Maybe we can get some better convictions. Well, Dale? Yeah, that's true. Uh, the previous prosecutor had made the case for additional staff, and I believe it was entirely unsuccessful. Um, they do have an extremely heavy caseload, and they certainly can justify adding several new prosecutors. In fact, when you look at the numbers, Boone County could easily justify adding a couple of additional judges. I mean, the caseload here is one of the largest in the state. Uh, it's certainly one of the largest per capita. Um, so I agree. That's that's definitely part of the puzzle. Uh, even if I were running an office that was short-staffed, there are certain crimes that I think are more offensive, more concerning than others. But I'm not the one making those decisions. But yes, they're they need help. They That's need one staff. solution. Another solution might be to get rid of some of the extra laws that we don't need uh, that you know people get charged with for you know, not taking better care of themselves. Um, well, the commissioners, the commissioners have a phone number and they have an open meeting, I think Thursday mornings. Uh, go there and tell them, hey, people, let's get on it. All right, Rick, thank you. Thank you. Great idea. Glad to have you on the Gary on Gun Show. By the way, if you want to contact us, 800-529-5572, get you into the studio. Also, you can go to uh, GaryNolan.com, send me a message. That'll pop up here in studio. So there was a disproportionate number of uh, 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 bills being uh, offered by Democrats, but still some other bills out there must have been from Republicans, I'm guessing. So what? Uh, any good gun bills that you guys came across? Well, there always there always are, in, in my opinion. Um, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get anything passed. Uh, significant other than Second Amendment Preservation Act that was a huge. Huge uh, deal, but yeah, there's there's some really good bills. Uh, Dale pulled up quite a few of them. There's one that I really like by Senator Rick Bratton, and a uh, former Marine, by the way, um, and it's uh, actually exempts sales tax from any firearm-related product or firearms that is manufactured in the state of Missouri. I think that's a really uh, interesting bill. I'd be in full support of that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like the idea of... Uh, Promoting businesses, but isn't that the state kind of picking winners, losers, winners and losers? Um, yeah, it is. But since I do a lot of business with those uh, entities, I, I think it's, it would save me a lot of money. <laughs> oh, we see. <laughs> and the more money you save, the less of a problem you have with your wife. <laughs> I see the motivation here. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't particularly care for that idea. Um, well, as then much. you'll like this next one. I will. I think so. All right. Yeah, there's there's a Senate Bill Ten by uh, Senator Eigel, uh, who I think you know very well, Gary. Yeah. And um, uh, like a very similar bill in the House by uh, Representative Bill Hardwick out of the uh, Waynesville area, and that is uh, anti red flag gun seizure acts. And I I really like both those bills. So that would basically um, be a major pushback to any attempts, um, e either in the state or federally, um, for uh, red flag laws to take effect because they just don't work. Looks like it would just basically prohibit enforcement of any red flag law in Missouri. Right, and Senator Eigel's bill ties funding into that too, so it would restrict funding from from uh, those kind of uh, 
happenings to occur. I'm liking Eigel more and more. I mean, uh, I not only like that legislation, I like the fact that he's so anti-personal property tax. Uh, he's been fighting that here in Missouri for quite a while. Uh, hopefully someday it happens. Uh, and and I, it's not a gun bill, so I didn't, I'm not entirely up to speed on it, but there was a bill... There is a bill that's been filed that would replace property tax with sales tax, and, I, and I'm not wow. sure. And I'm not sure. As I said, I, I'll look at it. I can email it to you. Um, I was really focused on the other gun bills, and it, as Chuck said, there were a lot of gun bills filed by Democrats, and most of them are the usual red flag laws, make it illegal for young adults to have guns, things like that. But the Republican filed bills. Um, in the House, Representative Billington filed a bill that would prohibit an employer from firing an employee because that employee had a firearm in his vehicle on the premises. You know, if you leave it safely in your vehicle, your employer shouldn't fire you for that. And I realize that raises a libertarian issue. Oh, yeah. But there, there's a uh, Senate bill by Senator Schroer that, in a nutshell, says if you prohibit firearms on your premises, then you are legally responsible for the safety and welfare of your customers. That, I, say, I think that's, that's wrong, answer. too. That's the answer. No, that's wrong, too. You have a choice. You don't have to come into my business. You don't have to work for me. If you want to keep your firearm with you, and I do, then you have to go somewhere else. Uh, but, that, I shouldn't be responsible the, the for you choosing... To accept my terms. And Gary, I pretty much agree with you, but let me pose this problem. What if CC Steakhouse, CC Broiler Steakhouse, prohibited guns? What would you do? I'd go in there anyway. I'd take my <laughs> chances. I'm sorry. Uh, I am not going without that Gary steak. <laughs> so, all right. Then there's another Senate bill. And this, oops, all right. Well, hang on. We've got uh, show and tell coming up. Uh, the states with the most registered guns in America, you might be surprised. All that and more coming up on Gary on Guns.